Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Shirt All right, episode nine of Shirt Show. We're talking with JP from Insoft in Arizona. Let's go! What's going down? Hey, what's up? What's going on? <laughs> How are you? Can, you? can you hear me properly? Yeah, you're yeah, good. You sound mic, great. Che- mic check. Yeah. Yeah, we just did the same thing. Nice. Good sound, good lighting. It's rare. All right. Natural lighting. Makeup. <laughs> Makeup. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, how are you? Good. How are you? It's Sunday. Good. It's Sunday. Do you guys normally record on weekends? Is that the usually on protocol? Sunday? Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. still in. It's that's because uh, it's his fault, really. Nice. No, it's not. I, it's I your fault. Do it. <laughs> I always want to do everything late at night, and you're like, "No, I need to do it in the middle of the day." And on because I go to bed. I go to bed. I don't. You know, I, I got to sleep. Yeah. It's important. I listen to Joe Rogan. He says you got to get eight hours. It's true. So, yeah. Simple life hacks. <laughs> so what's going on, All right, guys? What's new? Oh man, what's not new? I, I think the topic of the moment is uh, COVID and how yeah. businesses are contending with COVID. Um, so certainly, I hate to say it, but unprecedented times. But it's actually encouraging to see how entrepreneurs are reacting and seeing all the new opportunity sort of born out of what ordinarily would be crisis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's been interesting times. That seems to be the uh, consensus everybody I talk to. Yeah. Now with COVID stuff where you guys all like, I know nobody was ready for it, but I feel like you guys got an opportunity out of it just because of the, like the online stores tool. Cause that like for everybody blew up to be able to use that or have that. Was that like something you guys were ready for? Yeah. It's interesting. I've been using the term luck a lot. And one of my yeah. colleagues corrected me and he sent me a, uh, it was a quote from Seneca, a Roman philosopher I think the quote was something to the effect of, you know, luck is like the confluence of preparation and opportunity. So to, to that point, you know, I think we were fortuitous. I'll stop using luck because it, it sounds like we didn't work hard or weren't right, know, yeah. uh, strategically uh, in position to, let I me mean, you look at what's happened with e-commerce as a category at, at large. I mean, every analyst is saying that, hey, we just, we just technology was just sped up and acceleration of, of technology was just sped up two to three years. So from that basis, you're right. I mean, look at, you know, you guys as print shop operators, right? You know, states mandate you shut down. You know, how do you still service customers and, and react? So, you know, from, from our vantage, you know, thank God for e-commerce because, yeah. you know, so many folks were able to still uh, generate much needed revenue in a pretty challenging time. And I think, Dylan, you're pointing to, to the opportunity that you know, a lot of decorators had, which was you know, the fundraising opportunity in their local communities. So I think that was not only a godsend for print shops, but also for these local small businesses that were able to you know, generate some, some revenue in a pretty stressful yeah. time. So yeah, I, I think we just look back and we're very fortunate to be in, in the e-commerce category. Um, but it's also interesting to see how, given there's been this new demand and new acceleration, you know, what's next, right? Yeah. So we, we've been planning two to three years, but now that that's been accelerated, so what does the next two to three years look like, right? Right. Um, so yeah, interesting times all the way around. How did that, did that put like a wrench in your business model of like what your plans were? Because obviously no one saw this coming. Like, obviously you have to like change things and all that stuff. You guys changed your focus at all on like how to grow Inksoft or? 
No, I don't think the focus has changed. Our focus has been, you know, developing the industry's best e-commerce solution. That's what we've been focused on for 10 years. Um, I think that we have a new sort of, there's a new excitement um, because again, there's this major demand. Um, And so with that said, I mean, our ambition is, yeah, maybe we're going to shift around the roadmap a little bit, but we're going to prioritize the things that decorators need now. And that's a way to interact with consumers given everything's changed, right? Yeah. I, I was tracking an interesting conversation that was happening on the screen print marketing group. I don't know if, you know what your impression of this is, but I'll put you guys on the spot. Okay, There's cool. so many decorators talking about, hey, who else is excited about not operating their retail shop and having customers come in and interrupt? And I, I need a quote for six shirts for a memorial T-shirt, you know, and, and like the consensus was like, this has been a blessing in disguise. Like we're able to focus, we're reconfiguring our retail space. Um, so with that said, I mean, I think, you know, in the not so distant future, it's going to look a lot like more industrial space, less retail, uh, space, and it's going to be a virtual storefront, right? It's going to be interacting with consumers online. It seems to be the new preference of things. Yeah. So I mean, what do you guys, I mean, re- react to that. Do you guys, I mean, I see shirt con all the time, upstate merch all the time. I see, you know, your, your social videos I mean, you guys have awesome spaces. You're interacting with customers. I mean, do you guys see that tilting and. I'll let Andy go first because I know what I'm going to say. Nice. <laughs> um, well, so we are heavy uh, on our retail. I mean, we have a we have a showroom. We have um, we're ex- we have exposure. We have a lot of traffic, or we did, you know, pre-COVID, and so. Sure. Um, but we also uh, had Inksop before COVID happened, which was which was great. It was luck, or or no, maybe the other thing. <laughs> But, uh, but it was, uh, you know, so we already knew how to build a store and build a store quickly. And when it happened, uh, you know, we, so we kind of, we were looking for like, what do we do? You know, what's, what's next. And so, um, it not only helped us, uh, through connecting with the community and, 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 you know, having this fundraiser, but, uh, it just helped the morale of everybody here. Like it gave us something sure. to do, you know, there was like, right. Hey, we can design this, this cool shirt. And, uh, and then put it up and then watch the sales grow and, and help the community, everything. So it was just like, it was something for those, I don't know if it was maybe a month or so that, you know, we had no idea what was about to, about to happen or what was happening. Um, so that was great, but, um, we, we rely pretty heavily still on, on people coming in. And, and so where we're located in, in the suburb of St. Louis, um, um, you know, you, we can be open and, and we are open and, we, and so, you know, when people come in and they, and they, we have a dressing room, for example, and they try on different shirts. They don't know if they want a Gildan or if they want a Bella Gamis or whatever. And so we have people trying on shirts all the time. Um, they pick out colors, you know, actual swatches, which you can kind of get away with online. You can, you can right. show sort of, you know, you can get kind of accurate, but I mean, if, it, if it's a Heather red, what does it really look like in that image that you're showing, you sure. know, is your, is your right. monitor turned up really bright or, or what, you know? So, um, it's tough. I think that, um, I like the idea of expanding and growing our, uh, our e-commerce and our, and our stores. In fact, I have somebody coming back, um, starting tomorrow, um, coming back from this, this COVID furlough thing. And she is going to be uh, like, that's about half of what she's going to be doing is nice. helping expand and find, find opportunities where we can build stores for people. But I sure hope that, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, you know, are we, we're busy at the front again. Like, it's not like it was, 
but it's 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 certainly back to a to a certain level anyway. And so I think maybe it's a mix for us. Um, and so I think you know maybe every shop's different because Dylan is in um, the mountains or you're in mm. you're somewhere out there where uh, where e-commerce could be could play a, a larger role. I'm not sure. Right what, what do you what do you think, Dylan? Yeah, like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I hate walk-ins. Uh, I basically when I got into this industry. I started a small company, sold it to a company in Georgia and near Atlanta, moved there, became like one of their main sales reps or whatever. And we were like right in town, like downtown basically. And then uh, we had walk-ins all day long. Like I would have plans of like, okay, I'm going to work with this customer today. I'm going to tackle this email, do this project. And then somebody walks in off the street and is like, I want to start a clothing line. And I'm just like, I want to blow my brains out. And then I deal with them for two, three hours. And then I'm like, all right, now my train of thought's gone. I'm not motivated to do this other project. I'm not motivated to do this. And then when I left that company and started Upstate, I was like, you know, for the first three years we had this building, we didn't have a front door. Like you could not get in here unless you worked here. Cause I was like, I don't want to deal with people coming in off the street. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a factor of like where we live now that we don't have a lot of walk-ins. We definitely have walk-ins. Like we have a couple a day, but I mean, now to the point where like I have staff that handle it and I don't have to do it as much, but um, it's definitely not a focus for me. Like our whole focus since the beginning has always been like sales online, like all over, you know, national, international, like we ship to UK and Australia and stuff like that all the time. It's just, honestly, it's like whatever comes in, as long as they're willing to pay the shipping um, and we get really good rates on shipping. So, I mean, it, it helps us. And especially with like, we get people you know, in California or whatever, like, well, I'd really like to use you, but I've got a guy a block down the street. Right. I'm like, well, I'll pay for the freight. So actually I'm closer because I can deliver it to your front door. Nice. Um, so Strong I mean, it's, positioning. yeah, I mean, it's like, well, you could walk down the block or you could just have it come to your door. And exactly. You know, I wonder, wonder how, if I could find somebody on Craigslist, how much it would cost me to find somebody to go into your store, into your shop, like every day and start a t-shirt line or say they are, sorry. I think like would, if you get wanted, it done for like 25 bucks, maybe and give you equity, give you equity in, in the line. You do all the print <laughs> yeah. and you take all the risk and yeah, give yeah. you half the business. I think if, if you somebody, wanted to start that war with me, Andy, it would go on for a really long time. <laughs> I'm not going to back down on that. <laughs> you know, one of the interesting, you know, to kind of, um, part of that dialogue and all the back and forth, somebody had made the observation that, Hey, maybe we move to like an appointment only model. And I think you've seen a lot of businesses, you know, as part of the, you know, dealing with the pandemic and knowing that you can only facilitate, you know, so much traffic. Um, that way, you know, you could arrange your day and have the appropriate staffing to deal with people that are serious, that are going to book time. And, you know, maybe you can kind of pre-qualify them before they walk into your, your space. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be, you know, interesting. I have a, a good friend that's in the commercial real estate business. And in fact, I, I need to have him on a podcast and, and pick his brain because they're, you know, all the analysts are saying, you know, all the major transformation that will happen in commercial you think about having to retrofit your office, you know, if there's going to be new health mandates, you know, uh, a lot of businesses have open floor plans and sort of, you know, communal sort of workspaces. I mean, that's all going to have to be reconfigured. Um, I mean, nationwide, I think it's a nationwide uh, insurance company, you know, their CEO declared, you know, they're closing all of their facilities, call centers, and they're going completely virtual and work from home. 
So it's actually an, another interesting proposition. You know, can you be an online only business? And I think Dylan, you'd probably take that position. You know, that's yeah. sort, sort of your model. But I think you know, there's going to gain uh, in, increasingly uh, a lot of attention towards moving sort of strictly online. Yeah, and I feel like that's been strong for us though too. Like, again, it's, I don't want to say luck, but it's like we built up this reputation. You know, all over the internet and stuff is basically and that kind of saved us with corona stuff because i feel like if we were just doing local we would be dead in the water right now because nobody local is doing anything sure so for us to be able to do a customer that's not as affected over here or a customer who you know they only sell merch online or they do this it's like we still have tons of avenues of merch coming in so i feel like that's been huge and i I feel like we're busier now than we would normally be anyway. I feel like we're swamped. Like we, which is good. Like we're going through it. Nothing's late. We're, we're ahead on turnaround, but still it's like, we have a lot of work right now. Like I'm trying to hire like three people. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that model works. Um, and that's without, you didn't engage with face masks or any sort of PPE. I haven't done any masks. Yeah. That's wild. No, we haven't done anything other than just t-shirts and stuff. And the, the whole mask thing was kind of weird. made me feel dirty. Um, yeah, it was definitely, a, a, I think, a, a challenging thing to navigate through, to not look like an opportunist. or. Yeah, that was my big thing is I didn't want to be like, oh, yeah, you feel like you're going to die and you feel like you need this thing. Let me sell you some masks. Yeah, like I get that a lot of people are doing it and there's a lot of other good ways for it. And I, there, a lot of people are doing good. And now it's I feel like it's more of a thing where you see it in like Target and stuff like yeah. people are buying masks. Right. Like I feel like it's fine. But in the beginning, it's just something about it to me. It was just like, eh, I don't know yeah. if I want to get involved. I interviewed a customer of ours, an Inksoft customer, and he had sort of just explained his journey with face masks and PPE, but it, w- it wasn't direct to consumers, more to service his business customers. You know, they couldn't open up yeah. their casinos unless they were able to give out face masks and build that confidence. So he took it from that vantage of servicing businesses so they could re-engage, you know, in commerce, right? So yeah. it was kind of an important, you know, component to his local economy. Right. Uh, but it was interesting. His observation was just, you know, once you gain a reputation as the guy that can produce branded face masks in volume, you know, just radically accelerates. And on the podcast, he called out specifically over 150 new accounts. And he said the sort of the back end up, but it wasn't a sort of a one-time transient sell. It was, he picked up all of their promo business and their apparel business. So for him, you know, he was in growth mode. It was a, a boom opportunity, but he leveraged it in the, in the right way. I think it was kind of a little strategic play on, on face masks. Yeah. We don't it, sell, it works for certain people. It's just, we don't sell direct route. like face. I get asked sometimes like, Hey, do you have face masks? Uh, the answer is no, we don't just print them and have them for sale here. But like you just said, we've been contacted by uh, schools, by the St. Louis public library, by churches that, you know, if they're going to have church service, they have to have masks. And so they bought sure. thousands, you know? And so, right. um, and that, and that, there's no like, you know, questioning your ethics or anything like that. If you're, if you're worried about, about that early on, I know it was weirder because they're like, wait a minute, you know, we're a t-shirt printer and it was just weird to even think about masks, even wearing them, you know, it was just a, it was a crazy concept, but yeah, but now it's, it's reality. And so yeah. um, I, I can see where it's not like we're moving into profit off of it. It's just that it's, it's a need, you know, it's, it's sure. so so I guess let's take it take a step back a little bit. How did you what did you do before Inksoft and how did you get started with it? Yeah, so we'll take it way back. So I studied advertising and marketing and I graduated college. I traveled with a girlfriend through Europe and came back and didn't want to start working straight away. Kind of wanted to figure things out. So 
I moved up to Vail, Colorado and, and lived with a buddy up in the mountains for a while, kind of being a bum. And on a weekend, we went to Las Vegas and I ended up meeting my future wife in a line to get into a bar in Las Vegas. So remember that? Oh, I got to pause, pause you for a second. I got to pause you. Didn't you do the same thing, Andy? Didn't you move to Colorado? I moved to Vail, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. So, I was uh, in Beaver Creek specifically. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yes. um, <laughs> which is just like 10 minutes or maybe 15 down uh, yep. 70. Yep. But I lived in Vail and I worked in Vail Village at a place nice. called Cleaver's Deli. And so huh. made a mean sandwich. <laughs> we had euros there too. Nice. But, um, my, yeah. my good friend, he still lives there. He never left the mountains. So I thought about so it. Anyway, I was, thought about never leaving, but. Yeah, know. it's definitely tempting. I met a lot of guys that were, you know, 45 year old, 50 year old bellmen and ski lift operators. And I mean, it's definitely a lifestyle, uh, uh, but, but it's, it's interesting. Um, so anyway, I met my future wife in Vegas and she was a student at Arizona State University, and I made the decision to relocate from Colorado to, uh, to Arizona. And of course, we got married and had children. But my first job uh, transitioning, you know, sort of from college uh, into the real world, uh, I, I'm going to keep saying luck. I guess I'm just a lucky guy. But I helped a friend open up a bar and restaurant, and I think it was a Memorial Day or a Labor Day. Uh, there's a patron. He gave me a credit card, and on the credit card, it said Digital Art Solutions. And so I was like, what, the, what do you guys do? And so I met my first boss just by being curious. Uh, so Craig Mertens, uh, who owns Digital Art Solutions, he brought me in for an interview and, and hired me up. And so Digital Art Solutions uh, basically invented stock graphics for the industry. Mm -hmm. And they've been around for 28 years. Have you heard of them, Dylan? Ironic. Yeah, so no? they used to be like if you went to a trade show, they'd have a big booth and you would buy, uh, you know, they would I'd have like a the pack. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah when, I know what you're talking about, but I've never bought any of that. No. Yeah, you guys do like custom stuff, but think about yeah. you know the print shop that's doing stuff for soccer club or church group, and you know yeah. they're not going to pay for custom. Just like vector packs, basically. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So really, that was my first foray into the industry, and it's ironic because so many people I meet, they were either in a fraternity, and that that was their connection to start selling swag and getting into decorated apparel, um, or they were a coach or some other kind of connection, right? So I came outside of the industry. My first introduction was, you know, from the art content perspective. So I learned, you know, what it looks like to run an art department and be efficient with art content. Um, so I worked for Craig and Digital Art Solutions for about eight years. And in my sort of tenure with Digital Art Solutions, I kept hearing the same question. Can we use your art content online? There's this new company called Custom Inc. And they're taking our customers. And, you know, we need a more efficient way to, to do artwork and let our clients be involved. So unfortunately, it took eight years and a thousand times of hearing this opportunity. Um, but I, I happened to meet the right people who were starting a software company, Inksoft, and so things aligned. My industry experience uh, with technical experience, uh, business experience. So in 2009, we sort of launched Inksoft. And the ambition, as I mentioned in the beginning of the, the podcast, was you know, decorators are going to get crushed by the likes of companies like Custom Inc. I mean, e-commerce is going to be a thing. And if you track e-commerce growth has been year over year since it's, you know, it's advent. So we knew e-commerce was going to be the future. We saw what custom Inc was doing by letting end customer self-service. And so we wanted to be that software provider. It would give you know, decorators, print shops, print entrepreneurs a way to compete online. And so we're still running point on the same mission here, you know, over 10 years later. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. It's awesome. And ironically, I'll, I'll kind of conclude this story. I mentioned Digital Art Solutions. Inksoft acquired DAS uh, June of last year. So it's pretty crazy to, you know, Craig taught me everything I needed to know about the industry, was my mentor. 
a really good friend. He was a guest at my wedding, um, but now we're working together again. So super ironic to mm, sort of cool. acquire the first business you work for. So, um, so some really exciting things. Uh, when you take two separate companies, you combine them. Uh, we're going to be releasing a new solution by year end that we're super fired up about. So that's awesome. That's the journey. That's the story. Yeah. So the beginning was just kind of like making the online designer stuff. Yeah. So sort of the, the early vision was, you know, we saw what custom ink was doing and we, we know that, you know, all decorators, you know, artwork is just a bottleneck, right? So how do you convert that into a non bottleneck? Right. Um, but really online stores was part of our DNA from the get go. And the, the, the reality is we saw how, you know, decorators were forced to, you know, you look at a local geographic area, right? And this kind of ties back to our conversation about the retail walk-in business. It was just, we saw folks were so tapped, they couldn't grow because they were selling to all the schools and churches and organizations in their immediate geographic area. It'd probably be hard to compel a consumer to drive three hours to, you know, try on garments or interact with me, right? So, um, you know, again, what, you know, online stores being part of our DNA from the get-go was, you know, if you're a relationship person and you're a salesperson, why not service a swim club in North, you know, North California, uh, maybe when you're located in Arizona. Um, so we just saw, you know, online stores would be the way to break down that sort of geographical, you know, um, you know, boundary really. Yeah. No, I mean, that's been big for us. Like we got into, we got inks off right before COVID too. Like that was, I didn't get it after I got it before. Cause I was just trying to figure out, cause we have certain customers that we want to, you know, help and go through i'm not trying to do like tons of schools and all that other stuff i was just trying to help certain big clients that we had sell stuff online that they didn't know what to do and you know they were getting killed with a lot of these shops trying to do dtg for everything and sure um so i was just trying to find a solution for them but the big thing that drew me in was just like how fast it was that i could easily set up a store because my story was is that we I've always had the mentality of like, I don't want to pay a monthly fee for a company to do this thing. Like I could probably, I, I know people that can code and stuff. I was like, I'll, I'll have them make me up a thing where I can have an online store. I did like three versions of that. Every single one of them was like a huge pain in the ass to like go on WordPress, add a page, do this thing. Like, Oh, there, here's this one process you have to do to like add an item. And it's like eight right. check things long. And it's just like, it's doable, but it take, took me like a day or two to like get it all in and done. And I was like, this kind of sucks, but it's paid for it. I'm a monthly fee. So anyway, I got fed up with it because I had so many customers just being like, I want to set up a store. I want to set up a store. And then they would get pissed at me because it would take forever for me to do it. Cause I didn't, I had literally had to slate a day to be like, you know, busy summer day to be like, Hey, I have to set up a store. Uh, let me right. clear the schedule basically. And then I got involved. I, I asked a bunch of people like I always do, um, who are they using? What are they doing? And then uh, Inksoft was brought up a bunch of times and I ended up talking to you guys um, and tried it out. And yeah, it's just like I can, you know, the biggest thing is you can set up a store in literally minutes. So And, um, and like what you mentioned, if you have three stores going or 10 or 30 or whatever, you have this dashboard, you know, that is right there that consolidates everything for you. You know, if you, know. If, you were to go, if you were to go build a WordPress or whatever, or Shopify and have separate stores, well, how, do you, how can you get them all together? You yeah. know, that you can track. Well, you know, that's even... There was no tracking. Gonna... That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah, fucking we, uh, nightmare. <laughs> speaking of nightmares and tracking, I mean, we've, I've met so many successful, you know, decorators who try to build their own technology and the yeah. technical debt, the overhead, you know, all of a sudden they're, 
and I hear it so often, we don't want to be a software company. We want to, you know, our core competency is, you know, design and, and decoration. And so we've seen this, um, an interesting tilt, you know, when we first started the business, there was the rejection, like, I want to own the software. I want to operate it, you know, and you, you walk through somebody, you know, somebody through the journey of you, you really want to own and operate web servers and you want that maintenance and security. And yeah. so the, the good news is, you know, fast forward 10 years, you, we don't hear that anymore. So, you know, so many consumers are accustomed to, you know, monthly fees for, for the services that they use and they're accustomed to cloud-based software. But I can tell you that that was a major challenge when, when we first started. Yeah. But yeah, we see a big impetus from, hey, we built this sort of home-baked software solution that our the guy that built it is no longer around. We can't track him down, so we can't institute changes, and we have all these workarounds, and we've seen some real ugly horror stories as it relates to sort of dated tech. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of that, like, screen printer mentality because it's always, like, that dude who started in a garage and built everything himself and stuff, and you think about it when you're in that mode. Like, if you're a small shop, you're like, I can figure a way to, I can find a way to figure this out myself. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't need you. And then you get to a point where you're just like, you do own a business and you do have employees that count on you and you do have all these things. And you get to a point where you just have to let go and be like, this company obviously knows what they're doing. Like they have this platform, like let's look into it. And that, that was my thing is just like, it, it took me so long to just like let go and be like, I need help and I'm disorganized in this area and I want to grow this side of the company, but I don't have time to mess around with it. And then, like I said, I ended up getting it, getting a store, got it set up like that day. And then the whole onboarding thing, like totally helped me with everything. And now like we use it every single day and it's actually like a really big growing part of the business. And that's why like in the last two podcasts, me and Andy have talked about, do I try to get into DTG or not? Just because I could see that side of the business growing into its own department uh, instead of just being another, you know, print opportunity. But 100%. yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been huge. I mean, I've, I love what you guys are doing. So, well, thank you, guys. I didn't expect this to be. Jeez, we're just blushing gonna... over here. Can you tell the video? <laughs> I was yeah. the same way. Uh, up? I was the same way with the DIY stuff. Um, I used to try, and like I built my first exposure unit, and and right. so on. And then I realized, uh, I think I was um, our toilet broke, and. Uh, me and, and a guy <laughs> I was like, forget it. I'm done. No, but our toilet broke the, it would have sim something simple on it. Like the, how it was flushing or whatever. And we went and got, okay, we're going to change out this. And we started doing it. And then we were cranking on like some bolt or whatever. And then the, it cracked the whole porcelain part and the, we had to get a whole new toilet. And it was just like, why, why didn't I just call, we do shirts for plumbers. I'm just going to call a plumber next time anything like this happened or electrician or whatever and have them come do it. You know, somebody that we already do t-shirts for isn't like that and uh, pay the, the service call and the $300 or whatever, because, and then just not mess with it. Instead, just focus on printing t-shirts or building an online store or, you know, whatever it is, um, cutting, cutting grass. So here, uh, this, is a, this is an important question. Do you Hold cut on. your own, I JP, JP, JP do, you, do you cut your own grass? I live in the desert of Arizona. So in, mm. in Scottsdale, you're encouraged to not have a grass. I actually have artificial turf. So it always looks great. Okay. And okay. I'm yeah, down with that. You don't have to water to tend to it. Yeah. So, okay. And uh, yeah, because Dylan, you know, he's... Uh, Me and Andy have been debating. And even before we got on this, we always talk for like a good half hour just to like catch up with each other and talk about stuff. And he's just giving me so much shit 
for mowing my own lawn. And he doesn't mow his own lawn. He hires somebody to mow his lawn. I was like, uh, my dad had perspective on this. If you get a good workout and you get like 45 minutes or an hour to yourself and it's a meditative exercise, thank it's, you. Pr- yeah. it's probably therapy, not actual exactly. labor. So, You're right. Yes. With so you. that's so that, for it. that, for that, that's good. But uh, you can get therapy while, while walking. Like I did this it's morning true. and I was, Oh, by the way, I was walking, uh, Joanna and I went on a walk and here we're come, we're coming through this. We turn around this corner and then I hear some cracking above. We were underneath these trees and here, I was like, either it was a bald Eagle, a bear or a branch. And so I, we both started, we bolted and then this giant branch fell right like five feet from us would have killed us. Jeez. I wouldn't have been on this podcast, but uh, so I'd been better off probably cutting the grass. Yeah. See well, moral of the story. <laughs> but that's what I Safer. said is I said it, mowing the grass for me, isn't like, I love like physically like cutting grass. It's like, I have two hours to myself. Nobody's bugging me. I'm just like zenning out. And, you know, you're not really paying attention. You're literally just going in circles. So it's just kind of like, it's my time to like think about shit and be by myself. So Andy was just giving me shit about mowing my own lawn because he's too good for, he lives, he lives up here. Actually, nice. you were giving me <laughs> shit for not mowing my own lawn is how it was, how it went down. And then I just, I just tried to defend yeah. myself. I felt yeah. like attacked. <laughs> But yeah. I think the point is like the, the, the sort of the business lesson here, there's one here, right? The, the calculus is like, do I take pleasure in this? Does it bring me joy? Is it yeah. fulfilling or is this costing me, you know, like I could hire somebody to do this task and apply my time more effectively yeah. and there's way more upside there. So I have that internal battle all the time. That's definitely a thing, like a legit business thing, like as an owner, like if I have young business people asking me questions about things, that's, that's like one of the things I always say is like, like I said before, like you always try to do everything the hard way because you're thinking like, Oh, I can save some money. I'll do this. It's like home projects or anything like that. It's like, yeah, I can renovate this house or do this stuff. And it takes you fucking like years. Like I personally renovated my whole upstairs in my house by myself and it took me forever. I did it on nights and weekends. And then at one point my wife's like, let's just hire somebody to like redo the bathroom downstairs. They did it in a weekend. Sure. Like whole thing got it completely done. That's because what, like, what they do all the time. That's I know, but that's what I'm saying is you need to delegate and trust that other people can handle things and totally. that you are better. Your time is better spent doing exactly what you're good at and what you need to focus on. And that's, that's the true. same with like the business at all. Like, should you hire somebody? And I get this all the time, especially with this podcast. People always ask me is like, cause we've talked about how, when do you hire somebody to hand, help you handle like your own inbox or emails and stuff like that? And people, so many people are like, oh, I've been struggling with that, struggling with that. Like I'm up till two in the morning answering emails. And it's like, I don't remember how many years ago it was now. Say it was like four years ago or whatever. I made a decision to be like, I need to hire somebody to help me with just my own personal emails in the inbox. And That's like, hard. that was one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, totally. Because now I can, take time to do marketing or grow the business or find new processes and all this other stuff. Before I would have just literally been like end of day emails, eat dinner, do what you got to do back to emails. And it's just yeah. like, it's hard to let go of that stuff though. Cause you think no, know. that, you know, this is, I, this is something I've got to do. It's got to be done a certain way or it's not going to get done. Right. But you know, that, that kind of thinking will, you'll never grow. And if that's what, or, if you don't want to yeah. grow, well then that's okay. You know, don't, that's fine. You're not, you don't necessarily have to grow. But I think the bigger concern too is, you know, it's a false sense of productivity. You know, if I can check a bunch of tasks off, like how how fulfilling is it to know that you did a bunch of things in the day, but when you take stock of what tasks 
created long-term value. And generally the answer for a lot of people is like, ah, nothing here. Right. Mm. So, you know, it's like that constant battle of being sort of an operator or being, you know, strategic. Right. Um, and it, it just, in my journey and, and talking to thousands of print shops and decorators, you know, most entrepreneurs are not spending enough time staring at a blank wall. And that's a, a, a lesson I heard from a mentor a long time ago. You know, think about it, optimizing 30% of your time should just be contemplating what's next, how do I drive the business, where are the revenue opportunities, where I cut costs. I mean, that's the stuff that really matters, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I have this like conscientious uh, sort of, I observe my day and try to set it up in advance. And, you know, like this would be really fun to go and do a podcast or, you know, but what, what really is going to matter like 12 months from now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's a daily kind of practice. Why, like, kind of why like Apple and Google have like people like can play ping pong and shit because they like figure stuff out together because they have social time to yeah, definitely with each other. Yeah. So I know you're, I know what your answer is probably going to be is from the start because it's your company, but like when do you think is like an actual good time for somebody to implement shop management software into their shop? God, I would say on the precipice of starting their business, you know, because it's easy to form bad habits. Um, it's hard to break those habits. And I can tell you one of the biggest challenges we see is this. I, I remember hearing this in college, right? This was like a business textbook one-on-one thing. Change management is the hardest thing any business leader will have to contend with, right? I mean, think about the prospect of like, I have to go retrain my staff or we have to change systems and processes everybody's fully aware of. That's going to wreak havoc, right? There's effort, there's labor, there's risk. It's probably going to have some upside long-term. So in my mind, it's, um, and we're seeing this now, I think most new decorators entering the space, they're, you know, I don't want to be ageist here, but they tend to be younger. They grew up using technology. They know the value of good technology. And really they're sort of more focused on answering the question, not how am I going to produce and manufacture, but how am I going to run my business? You know, what am I going to use for yeah. sales and marketing? Where, you know, where are the revenue opportunities? Um, so, so I think obviously it's easy to say, go and invest in all the right stuff out of the gate, right? If you're bootstrapped and, you know, scrawny, it's hard to, to, to do that, but you know, certainly you can implement certain systems and processes that are thinking through these things. Um, but I think it's a constant evaluation, a constant, you know, process, right? Where are, I mean, if you were a Sigma, Six Sigma black belt, you're constantly trying to tweak processes and systems to get more value. And that might be the observation that, Hey guys, it's time to reinvent our production, flow and systems and we have a lot of inefficiencies that are creating waste and there's a lot of ways to fix and address that. What are some so, of the inefficiencies that you see shops have that they don't even think about that you can easily kind of clear up with management software? I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it all re relates to misprints, but you know, communication gaps or communication mistakes that lead into, you know, misprinting. And of course the consequences, as you guys know, is upset customers, missed deadlines, handing back profit. So I think keep, you know, it all, it all comes back to data. So I would relate everything back to data and data organization and management, you know, positioning the right information at the right time to the right person, right? That's running that functional part of the business. Um, so communication and collaboration with both customer and team members, uh, along with data organization and data placement is gonna help eliminate a vast majority of the, the inefficiencies. I think that the greatest challenge isn't in the manufacturing production side. I think it's in the sales and marketing side. And I think if I could change any one thing about our industry, if I could poke and prod an entrepreneur, and I'm saying typically these are the, you know, my observations in general is folks just aren't investing time and effort and energy into sales and marketing. You know, it's, 
I had dinner with a, an executive who shall remain nameless of a very large uh, blank wholesaler in our industry. And he mentioned, he's like, JP, the, the, the hand of the lazy decorator will be punished soon. And it was almost like he could see COVID coming. But his point was, you know, so many folks are waiting for the phone to ring. They're, they just, their business is super passive, you know, repeat orders and word of mouth marketing. And I think the greatest source of inefficiencies, which has now been fully exposed, right? It's on full display is folks just aren't putting stock and equity into building a sales organization and operation, like having actual salespeople and their job is to go hunt for new business, right? Profitable business. You're turning profits back into uh, reinvesting back in the business with, you know, marketing and, and Dylan, you know, this you're, you're selling across the globe, you know, through digital advertising and marketing and all these things, uh, you know, the confluence with e-commerce, you can sell to anybody. You can reach the right audience through some of these tools. Yeah. So I think the production stuff can resolve itself with the right coaching, the right effort, you know, the willingness to see that there's a problem, want to change software can support that. But I, I think if I were to like have a specific cause, it would be, you know, invest some effort into improving your sales and marketing operation. And one of the best business lessons I learned a long time ago was revenue solves all problems. You can fix production, you can hire up, you can buy equipment, you can expand so long as you're focused on revenue production. I think, um, I think one of the challenges to that sales marketing thing for us and maybe for a lot of shops is that, um, just the balance, because as we scaled, um, we could, our production was maxed, you know, we were overtime and by overtime, I mean like early coming in early, staying late, printing over lunch, coming in weekends, and so the last thing you think to yourself is I'm like, you know, we need to market or I need to hire five salespeople or one salesperson for that matter, because I can't even keep up with whatever is happening now. And so then you, uh, maybe you expand and you add a press and you have some holes to fill, you know, but all of a sudden they get filled just because of, you know, their natural growth is just this snowball effect. And a lot of shops, I think, go through that. That's kind of how we, we did. We've never had an external uh, salesperson person or team or anything like that. You know, we just, we just do our marketing um, kind of the way, way we, we do, which isn't even, it's kind of done half-assed, honestly, but um, I always want to do it better. But I think um, we were in that, we were kind of in that mix of, we didn't, we were, maybe we were unprepared. You know, we don't have a, a person that actually is going out and asking for those, for those orders. And so yeah, um, definitely are, have, are, are changing that up. Um, finally, we were waiting for this school bounce, this boost, and it's kind of happened here. And so things are good, but you know, I mean, the back to school stuff, you know, and things are good, but yeah. I can, I don't want to rely just on that. <clears throat> so, sure. so you're exactly right. Um, but you know, you've got to be able to have that production to say, Oh, I want to sure. spend money or hire, hire a salesperson or just spend money on marketing. You got to be able to, to keep up. And I think a good place to prioritize or start, you know, it's, it's far easier to grow revenue by monetizing customers as opposed to acquisition. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't want anybody to be misled here. You know, it's my proposition isn't go hire, you know, a sales manager and build a sales organization overnight to go hunt for new business. That's a component, but think about, um, I just did an interview uh, on uh, the sell more merch podcast, uh, the Inksoft podcast channel with Ted church of Anthem branding. And this guy is just, I mean, doing it right in my mind. And there's different models. Not every model fits everybody's personality or, or, you know, but his sales process is just really spending time with the customer and going through a deep discovery to really figure out, you know, the right message, the right design, the right products. Um, 
and, and parceling that together. So, I mean, I've seen, again, a lot of our customers just be happy to take the t-shirt order and not go deep to understand, well, what is your budget? What, what are you really trying to achieve with this campaign? And maybe there's other products that would add value. And I mean, if you just started, you know, your sales and marketing efforts to just help monetize existing customers and, and their opportunity, yeah. um, you know, just a deeper discovery process. Uh, I'm always advocating for a question-based sales process, which is something I have a lot of experience with. It's just asking the right questions. It's not being a corny, you know, salesperson, right? Um, but I just, you know, I've seen it for 10 years. I, I ask folks all the time, tell me about your sales and marketing process. And the first thing, and I'll ask you guys, what do you think the response is when you ask a typical print shop, tell me about your sales and marketing practices. What do you think the response is? We don't have any. <laughs> well, there, there's one thing. There's one thing. Oh, what is I, it? I what do you got, Dylan? I don't know. Word, word of mouth marketing. That's oh, like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah we said that. The way they're driving their business. And, you know, obviously you should leverage the hell out of word of mouth marketing. But again, COVID just exposed every weakness, right? In every business. And, and yeah. nobody was nobody was, uh, you know, left unimpacted. Right. Um, so with that said, I think, you know, we're just seeing uh, this new enthusiasm, right. Of like, this is, I have no choice, but to repair my business and reconsider recalibrate altogether. And I, and I, I've heard you guys mention it on previous podcasts, like there's probably gonna be a lot of entrepreneurs that come up much better as a result of all of this. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely made a lot of people stronger. Uh, well, the ones that could be, Anyway, I mean, I, yeah. like I said, I feel bad. It sucks for the people that got hit the hardest and they are yeah. closing doors and firing yeah. people and all this other stuff. But, you know, it did also, there, there were a lot of good companies that were affected that are hurting, but there's also a lot of really bad shitty companies that were just trying to undercut everybody, yeah. trying to just, you know, do everything as fast and cheap and shitty as possible. And I'm kind of glad a lot of those are going away, honestly. And I feel like the ones that had backbone are like sticking around. Totally. Um, a thinning but, of the herd. I said, yeah. like, nobody wants to celebrate, a, you know, mouth, you know, or somebody's misfortune. But the, the reality is a lot of these entrepreneurs don't really add value to our industry with undercutting and screwing right. stuff up. And um, I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't want to be an equipment uh, distributor right about now, though. It's going to be an interesting. So if you could track the economics of like used equipment at auction or on the secondary market. You know, for you guys, if you're in growth mode and things are good, and a lot of used good, equipment out there right now, a lot of used equipment right now. So it's going to be an interesting uh, long-term yeah. implications. So yeah, yeah. And you guys no. both took new equipment, right? Like yeah, we both just and, got brand new equipment in. Yeah, and that was already like you committed to that well be well ahead of COVID, right? That was planned, and yeah, I think Andy went a little harder than I did because you didn't have the, the chance to make a decision of should you do this or not. You were already doing it. Like you already renovated that space. Yeah. You were already getting stuff in, but I had the actual opportunity of, I had already placed the order, but I had the opportunity of like canceling of being like, should I do this or not? But I knew that I felt really strongly that I had a good, you know, it was a good risk to take because yeah we were growing, we have a strong customer base. I knew that if we got this equipment, we would be good to go. And I'm really, like I said, I don't want to say I'm lucky that Corona happened, but like I'm lucky that Corona happened when it happened because we got the equipment, got it here, got it installed, learned everything we needed to do to learn on it. And then by the time we got it in here and ready to go is when we started to like take off again, like crazy. So nice. like, we had the perfect timing as far as like getting it in here 
because if we would have just like a normal year getting that in here and getting it installed and getting all that stuff done would have been a nightmare with like delayed Between orders your busy season or whatever. Yeah. Cause it would have been yeah. right in the middle of like when stuff's taken off and sure. luckily it was like right when everybody's freaking out of like, Oh, uh, should we be open or not? So, um, I mean, it was weird getting stuff installed, you know, the techs here and a mask and we're bumping elbows instead of like high fiving. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good. It's a good yeah. time. I'm glad. I'm glad things worked out the way they did, and um, and you can feel good about supporting good. our industry at large and American yeah. manufacturing companies. That was a good, yeah. you know, positive thing. Yeah. No, uh, we're pretty happy of it. But um, so, what are some like specific like roadblocks Inksoft has come across that you guys have kind of overcame and are growing, getting away from? Let's see. Well, we're, we're contending with uh, recovering from an office flood. So oh, really? uh, that's my, my current challenge. So yeah, COVID struck and we, we were very early to, to close the office down, like well ahead of, of most organizations. We just didn't want to put our team at, at risk, right? And being a software company, you know, we don't do manufacturing. So it was a pretty easy, you know, a lot of our team already stuff. have the flexibility to work from home. So, yeah. um, so I, I still was coming to the office every day just because I have four kids at home. And uh, it's a bit challenging to focus at home with four kids who are, you know, on lockdown and quarantine. So I left on a Friday and I got a call Monday morning. Hey, there's water streaming out of your office. And so uh, a coupling to a toilet had ruptured. So probably a 30 cent piece and caused a tremendous amount of damage. And so, um, yeah, so we're uh, now just recovering. We're, we're just about uh, furniture is being moved back in. So it's been a bit of a, a barrier, but you know, it doesn't matter because employees aren't coming back anytime soon. So yeah, I was just going to ask. Um, so what's, what's the plan? So they're still working from home. Yeah. So we're going to continue until like all everything's clear, right. Until, you know, I hate to say like tracking what CDC says, but um, I mean, until, um, until we're fully confident, you know, we're just the thought of trying, you know, trying to bring people back now, just when there's no real need, everybody's being super productive from home. We trust everybody emphatically. Um, so there's really no impetus to get everybody back, you know, until the coast is totally clear. Um, so again, it kind of comes back to luck. I know you, you folks rely on a team, you're, you're physically manufacturing stuff. You, you don't have a choice, right? Um, yeah. so yeah, that, that's a small setback. Um, but I think over our course of growing the business, I mean, it's all the typical stuff uh, of a growing organization. We've been fortunate to have year over year growth. Um, and that's on every measure. So it's, our customers' results, you know, uh, go up every year. Our revenue production, um, our our headcount. So we, you know, continue to grow the team and hire. So I think, you know, I've always been mindful. You know, we have 65 employees now. Uh, I know you guys spend a lot of time talking about hiring and bringing on new people and, and practices around that. Um, I think one of the challenges is, you know, as you grow and especially with with rapid year over year growth, it's like how do you still maintain a semi balance of your original DNA and who you are you know, as the business grows over time, I heard there was some factor for every three, six or nine. Uh, and you could look at that from any perspective, changes or employees, you know, systems have to be reinvented. So I think, you know, we, we've experienced some of the typical challenges with a growing business. Um, but, you know, I think having smart people and surrounding myself by smarter people than, than I, uh, we've been able to roll through any, any serious challenges. So, yeah, yeah we've uh, been lucky, nothing crazy or, you know, you're yeah. still headquartered in a college town in at, by we are so we're, yeah yeah we're in tempe arizona which is a, a really it's been interesting to see tempe change it's sort of been branded as the tech corridor 
And of course, Arizona, we have plentiful land. It's sort of, you know, compared to some places in the nation, cheap to build. And so at one point, the, the Phoenix metro area was growing by 100,000 people a month. That's it was like a square mile a day in, in residential. But what was driving that, I mean, think about a lot of these tech firms, like do we open up a new campus in Southern California? You know, no. So we've had a lot of major tech companies move into the valley. And we also don't contend with natural disasters. So what, what better place to build hmm. data centers than the desert, right? Cheap land. They aren't going to burn down. No tornadoes happening. Um, Just plenty floods. of Yeah, yeah. We have <laughs> haboobs. <laughs> have you guys seen a haboob? You know, uh -uh, what's that? So in monsoon season, which we're approaching now, so in August, we get like these crazy torrential downpours, right? Mm. And there's no place for rain to go. It's like hard earth, right? It's desert. So we get these like instant flash floods and inevitably people end up dying in a flash flood scenario. But a haboob is like, and it happens in the Middle East as well, but it's like a crazy sandstorm and it, it effectively moves in and covers the entire Phoenix Valley. You know, we have like 7 million people in this city now. And it's like really hazardous, like zero visibility. So if you're on the freeway, you have to like pull over and hope to God wow. nobody runs you over. Yeah, so. Arizona's my new favorite place. We went to ThreadX um, right. a few months back and uh, we, we were in Scottsdale and then we drove up to Sedona. Yeah. And we just fell in love. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And you're right. Phoenix looked like it was growing. They were building, you know, there was everywhere we looked, they were, the building was going up. I think it was an Airbnb driver said, Hey, you can tell the health of a city by how many of those like cranes that are, yeah. you know, facilitating construction. So we, we certainly have a lot of those. So, and, and I, I really think with COVID it's created this new uh, demand, like, Hey, I, I can maintain my salary and I'm permanently can work remote. Like, why am I going to live in a one bedroom studio in Manhattan? Nothing against New York or New Yorkers. Um, so we've seen a tremendous amount of demand, like, you know, people are moving to the Phoenix area, Dallas, Houston, you know, kind of the Sunbelt. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we're, we're lucky. I mean, Arizona State University is right up the street from us. We're actually on University uh, Avenue. So it's like fertile recruiting grounds. A lot that's, of, what I was, that's why I asked that. I bet because yeah. you said 65 employees, maybe you have some interns or something and then they, and then they yep. join you and that'd be, that'd yep. be great. And we have one employee in particular. He's like eight foot five. I mean, he's a giant. <laughs> But he's like, he's been this like social maven. He, he has such a huge friend network from ASU. So we've hired a lot of his friends, which is. Uh, been, How does that work? Does he just have a massive desk? Yeah, you know, it's funny. <laughs> he actually has, he took, took a standard desk and elevated it. There's these little blocks you can buy and mm -hmm. rest your desk on these blocks. Um, but he, he's, uh, he's a massive human. We went to standing, well, both. You can sit or stand desk right. uh, in yeah. the design room. So they have, uh, there's like stools in there or you can just right. stand at your desk. I don't know. Yeah, they we like installed it. those too. Yeah, I, I think it started as a popular notion, the standing desk. And uh, people were using it for a while, but it seemed like they went back to bad habits uh, of slouching, yeah. the slouch desk. Right. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about the, and you, Inksoft's kind of the first company that I've kind of had to deal with this with, but you guys have like a really good, intense, like onboarding process. Like if you start to use, cause there's a lot of things you can do or you get software or whatever you want to use. And then they're just like, figure it out. Yep. Um, you guys have a pretty crazy, like, Hey, let's walk you through this entire thing. So I guess tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a matter of experience, right? So you first start the business and it's like, hey, let's offer live chat support because it's going to be productive. And and then you realize what people actually want. They want to engage with a human and on their cadence, right? So everybody has preferences, right? They want to have a face-to-face web meeting like we're doing now. They want to rely on email or chat or phone. So we just made the decision to, to really provide service, you know, that would satisfy all of our clients. And I would say we, we've over-invested in support and it's ended up being a revenue generator, right? And from our perspective, you know, our economic engine is really simple. We need folks that are getting value from our platform that are going to pay us every month, right? Yeah. And in order to achieve that, they have to be happy. They have to be getting value. And, and, and uh, so the, you know, we, we look at support as not a cost or a burden. It's really as a, a way to ensure our clients are getting value, which means we're more likely to, to, to keep getting paid, you know, is the real simple economics yeah, so we, we looked at the data and we realized, hey, if we invest time up front and help people get set up, well, there's no excuse to not then not use the platform, right? So if we remove the first barrier, which is knowledge, you know, you could relate this to an automatic press, right? I have to invest in it, first order of business. I have to get take delivery. I have to get it set up. I have to learn it. And then we can then leverage it. So it's the same with software, right? You have to learn the damn, you know, how to use the damn tool. And then, uh, then the next step would be like go to market plan. So we learned in our journey was, okay, great. We got somebody set up. They know how to use the platform and really was like, go into the world and go conquer and destroy. But then we realized, you know, a lot of folks needed additional help with sales and marketing. So our, our newest sort of addition to our service offering is, you know, we've been turning out these turnkey marketing kits, right? Where we're giving like, here's the playbook, here's the marketing strategy. Hey, by the way, we had our marketing team. We have some really talented, you know, folks that can write amazing marketing copy here's the marketing copy it's written out for you. Oh, and by the way, here's marketing content that you can give to your client so they don't have to think too hard about making a, an attractive Facebook post to communicate the value of a spiritware store. Uh, and so we've been adding graphics into the mix. So really, it, our, our question is like, how can we help our clients be more successful and more effective, right? right. Can we help them with marketing? Can we help them learn the, the platform? Is that something um, you guys are doing now? Yeah, we, we just released um, a uh, back to school spiritwear kit. And this really is the sort of like the playbook now moving forward for these marketing kits. So we started off by writing marketing content, recognizing most of our clients aren't effective copywriters. And, and I, I think I'm a probably a B minus at writing marketing copy. But there's people that are just like amazing, right? They can, yeah. they're gift with words. I mean, um, so we just decided, Hey, you know, we have these resources. Why don't we turn them loose and help our clients out? And the feedback we got was overwhelming. Like, Hey, I just did this and we ended up getting some new accounts and we got, so we are definitely going to keep investing in these marketing kits and think if you have a standard playbook, but it's customized for every different season or opportunity you know, fall sports, back to school, you know, selling somebody on these like stay at home employee kits. Um, there's, there's no excuse. Like here is the turnkey kit. All you got to do is just deploy it. Um, so I think we now have about six in our, um, that we're offering for free on the Inksoft blog. Um, so I'd encourage all your listeners to go check it out. Just go to Inksoft.com and click resources and you can see them listed there. Um, but you have other ones that are available for people who actually have subscriptions. No, no, we just make them available. We just decided, Hey, this is too important to not give to folks at large. So we see it as a way to like create some goodwill and, Um, you know, service folks. And Hey, if if I can help you um, and there was that goodwill, you might take a a serious look at having soft could add extra value to, you know, your business. So it's been a very exciting thing. We're going to keep cranking up, cranking them out. 
just so everybody knows, I guess, I mean, everybody kind of hears things often thanks to the online stores and, you know, the management stuff. What all do you guys offer? Like what's all part of like uh, your subscription fee? Yeah. So I think the best way to understand it, you know, again, when we started the business, we, we looked at like the life cycle of a decorated order and we use that terminology a lot internally. Right. And you guys know this, there's a lot of moving parts to get printed goods out the door and make sure the clients are totally satisfied. Right. So the, the, the vision was how do we provide technology that will help selling decorated goods, but then managing all the parts and pieces that happen as part of that life cycle, right. Until delivery. So the way we look at our, our platform is it's an e-commerce platform fundamentally, but there's three sales tools that you can deploy in different use cases. So we all know the value of online stores now, right? Everybody kind of gets that. I think there was a lot of resistance 10 years ago, but I mean, now, you know, folks say like, my client's asking me for an online store. Yeah. You know, so even like consumers get the value and know, and think if you're selling into schools and sports, you know, school administrators talk like, hey, we did this really cool online fundraising program with this school. You guys should do the same in your community. So, you know, I think from the consumer demand all the way up to the print shop, stores are like a no-brainer, right? So if you're selling to a group, what better way to sell to a group, you know, but an online store? Um, so that one's kind of obvious, but the, the two others, of course, are online designer. And that's the ability to sort of interface with a consumer. And the way we look at the online designer, and I think some of the different use cases and you guys know this from the time sync that happens in artwork, right? Hey, yeah, we, we want uh, X, Y, and Z you know, for our family reunion event. Uh, can you give us some ideas? And that creative hot seat, the time lag to get a consumer ideas back that will get them excited and committed to purchase. So, you know, the, the online designer is a way uh, and our clients use it as a way to say, hey, why don't you visit our website where you can design a starting point and save that and our team will retrieve it and we'll, we'll come back to you with some alternatives and some ideas to make sure we get a winning concept. So in my mind, you know, you look at like a queue, right? And it, I, as a consumer, if I know that my needs are in process, they're being handled, uh, there's a level of sort of like, I can commit, I can be comfortable knowing that this business is attending. Um, so just like custom ink with an online designer, whether it be quoting, whether that be product selection or design, uh, the online design studio has a few different sales use cases. But the third sales tool that's our newest, and this is the one that I'm most excited about, and we think this is going to be a pretty significant game changer, especially in light of COVID. So it's called Proposals, Inksoft Proposals. And you guys know this. I mean, you know, to crank out an invoice to get paid or for a repeat order, you know, an invoice in our industry just doesn't make a lot of sense when we're selling like a tactile, visual, custom product, Right. So if I go to a, an accountant and they send me an invoice, well, yeah, I'm going to pay for three hours of accountancy. Um, so, you know, the notion of proposals is a visual sales presentation, a, a pitch deck, if you will. It's a way to organize branding assets and logos and cool graphics and really educate a consumer. Hey, these are the products that we're recommending for your event. And that's a much different proposition than, hey, check out this attachment of this invoice with the pricing. It's just a, two different experiences. Do you, have so, a, uh, do you have a video or anything like that about yeah. showing, uh, de demoing that proposal aspect totally. of it? Yeah, on our, on our website, we have tons of resources where you can see, you know, the difference that the proposals bring. And, and really the proposition is this, you know, you, the two of you, I imagine on quality, turn time speed, probably compete head to head. You know, if I came to you with a graphic and uh, the same garment, I'm probably, sh probably would get a very similar result. You know, you guys are leaders in our space. We'd be a little bit, a little better, I think. No, dang. It's like, uh, 
Shots fired. We'll see. <laughs> but, but here's the proposition. Imagine this. You know, we, we see the world in a way where ultra competitive, assuming that each print shop A and B, same turn time, same pricing, same customer service, same experience, everything is all the same. What's the difference? And it's probably going to be sales presentation, right? So That's print shop A sends me an invoice and print shop B sends me a really cool interactive, like gorgeous visual presentation. Mm-hmm. You're pro- I'm probably going to add favor to that presentation, right? We even, if it's, even if it's more money, actually, you know, even and if I think that's a, higher. Yeah, you got it. In fact, it should be higher. You know, there's been, there was so much discussion in 2019 about let's change the industry. There's a lot of thought leadership with like shirt lab and a lot of the folks that are outspoken, right? Like, why the hell are we, uh, you know, reducing the value that we offer, right? Uh, and I've heard so many examples from our customers about not being the least expensive, but being the best. You ask a consumer, you have two, you have two choices here. You can get it cheap or you can get a kick-ass printed garment and all the other swag that we're capable of producing. Like, what's important to you? You know, it's your church. It's your organization. You know, most consumers have a preference to get better quality, right? You know, especially when it's something that's tactile, like a wearable. Um, so you're right. If I can back up, you know, I'm not the cheapest, but I'm the best and check out this, you know, sort of sales deck that will prove that or add validity to it. All right. And this is so like why we're better. Exactly. And really the sort of the birth of this, you know, wasn't because it was a great idea internally. And uh, it started with, uh, you know, I, I got a quote for Tesla solar panels at my home and a Tesla sales rep. She showed up at my house. She opened up a laptop and she like hit play on this beautiful, compelling sales presentation. And it started with social proof. Hey, here's an aerial view of your neighborhood. And here's all of your neighbors who are smarter than you and care more about the environment. They're using solar. And by the way, here's the economics. Here's how much money they're saving. And it really just kind of took me through a complete experience of this is what the engineering will look like and the layout on your home. And this is how the finance works, you know, and it, it arrived with like an e-signature. And so I like lost focus in, in solar panels for a moment. And I sent that link. I asked her to send it to me. I sent it to my team and I said, guys, this is how decorators need to present decorated goods, like, a, you know, a, a swag, you know, presentation. And so that was kind of the nexus for Inksoft proposals. Um, and I'm really fired up about it because I think it's going to help, you know, as we advocate for sales and marketing practices, you know, our, our, our advice is, hey, once a day, go and create three sales presentations that are like a, your favorite products that are trending, that are popular and deliver that, you know, deliver it to a, a contact you have and say, hey, next time you need to promote your X event virtually, we can do a really cool, you know, uh, welcome kit or package. Um, so it's just creating awareness of what you do and what better way to do yeah. it than a virtual sort of sample, right? JP, you're 100% right because... I will sometime from time to time, I'll, I'll just know that let's say, let's say it's a quote I really want. And, uh, instead, and so we don't create art normally. We, the process goes, you know, you have to place your order and then we'll, then we'll get you your art. Well, from every now and then I'll just really, really want this order and we'll, I'll just go in there and say, Hey, get me, before we send this quote, let's work up this art, put it on a proof and then send the quote with this proof, like done. You know, so that it's just like when they see it, they just love it and they don't even have to think about it and they'll say yes. Absolutely. And so it's sort of like doing that, uh, essentially. 
I guess is what you're saying, yeah, right? Yeah, visual communications. And, and I think part of the secret sauce with proposals, you know, forget the idea for a moment's time. It's how do you create efficiencies in that process, right? So we look at like, how do you take a non-skilled, let's say you hire a sales rep, their job is to, to run point on sales and marketing operations, respond to social media, stuff like that. How do you take somebody that might not know Illustrator or Photoshop and how do you empower them to create virtual mock-ups? Hey, take this logo that we pulled down from the internet or from our clients, our prospective clients website and throw it on some products that you know are selling well and present it to them. So we built a technology we call Rapid Product Creator that allows you to take logos and build different colorways and then assign them to products to get into a virtual presentation, right? So again, if the sales rep doesn't have to go nudge the uh, designer on the shoulder saying, hey, can you convert this to a single color black imprint so I can mock it up? Um, so we, we've been very focused on how do you really empower folks that, again, don't necessarily have the skills necessary to, to achieve the end result and building technology to make that a reality. And that's included um, so or is that an upgrade? No, that's built right into that's built right into not only our stores platform, but also into proposals. Mm. So I can tell you, we are fired up about proposals and it's going to become the nexus for, for some of the forthcoming sales tools that you know, we're, we're rapidly going to accelerate, right? So you asked the question earlier, you know, what are you guys doing differently or will you pivot your roadmap to deliver on some of the things happening now? And the answer, you know, is how can we get more sales tools to our clients to help them, you know, interact with consumers and sort of the <laughs> new reality of things? See, I feel like that's something that not a lot of people knew existed. You know what I mean? Like you think of these different companies and like, what are they offering and what can they do for me? And it's like, okay, I could go here and they'll do what they say they're going to do. They're going to give me this software, but you guys have the software, but you're also offering all this other stuff. That's kind of just like helping us be more yeah, streamlined. You guys know this. Um, you know, we run operations, right? So while, while we're not doing physical manufacturing, we're producing software. So it, it, it's very, you know, the, it's very similar to what you folks do, right? We have a system to go through in a process and, you know, design, designs have to be approved, then it goes to dev and QA. And so we rely on technology to run our operation and our business too. So part of the perspective we're always asking is like, it really sucks when you have to use multiple software tools and try to string them together. Yeah. It, it creates unnecessary workarounds and complexity and the opportunity for failure. So one of the other things we've been very focused is, can we be a single platform, a single source of truth to run an entire business? And our roadmap is very much focused on two things, realizing that, you know, that to the fullest potential and then delivering on sales tools. You know, at the end of the day, what good is shop management software if there's nothing to manage, if you don't have inbound sales and a steady flow of sales, right? So we're just trying to connect those two together. Um, yeah. yeah. And it just makes the shops want to keep using you if you keep offering stuff to help them out. You got it. Yeah. So we have a big announcement. <laughs> Dylan, you're uh, you've got a sexy voice. You wanna you wanna Let's do it? Lay it out. Yeah. Right, what, got what, do you, what, what do you want from me? That I mow my lawn? <laughs> <laughs> and we got a sponsor. Yeah. We got uh, we got Inksoft on board. They think we're doing something right. I guess. We do. Um, it's interesting. We've seen this new form of communication. Uh, it's actually not new. Podcasting isn't new, right? But I just think what you guys are doing is is awesome and we wanted to be part of it. So yeah, we're uh, Inksoft is now sponsoring the shirt show. And we think this is a way to help guide entrepreneurs, give them insights and, you know, keep them motivated. So we absolutely love what you guys are doing. Uh, you don't have to do this. 
uh, here we are on a Sunday, you know, you're taking your free time and, and, and helping to share information with the community. So I can't uh, thank you enough for what you're doing for the industry. And you, know, you would think that like a trade organization would be running point on this, but here it is, you know, you guys are doing it. So I think it's super cool yeah. and we're like really happy to be part of it. So thanks for well, the opportunity. Yeah. We talked about this before, but like realistically, like you said, like even with this podcast talking to you, it's like, we, we like Inksoft. We were using it before any of this podcasting even started. Um, we just, the whole idea with this podcast too, is to just kind of like help, help us like, you know, therapy for me and Andy to figure shit out and learn and grow and talk to these, all these other people. But in turn, it kind of like helps a lot of other shops like realize they're not alone with things and, you know, teaches them things and all this other stuff. So it's kind of like we want to shed light on companies that we use and love and helps our company grow. And Inksoft was one of them. So we were stoked to, you know, be a partner. So well, I appreciate that, guys. We're, yeah. we're excited to be a sponsor and love what you guys are doing. Yeah. So to end this off, what uh, what do you look at? social media wise or anything like that, JP to find inspiration and stuff like that for yourself. doesn't have to be print related. could be hippies in Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't, um, I don't personally use social media. So I, I divorced myself of like Facebook (laughs) before it was cool. Um, that one I'm okay with. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I run point on, on a lot of the social interaction for, for, for the business and that's enough for me, yeah. but, um, um, but you know, inspiration, I, I absorb a ton of podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite is, uh, Sam Harris's making sense. So he's a neuroscientist and I mean, it's a deep dive into philosophy and science. I mean, his guests are some of the brightest people in the world and it's just a very interesting viewpoint, uh, politically on religion and, very uh, intellectually stimulating. So yeah, I try to go outside of the industry just to get mental stimulus because I spend enough time obsessing about ink. I feel, like, and, I feel like those are the ones I want to hear from people more. Like I always ask like, what are you listening to? What are you doing? People always tell me like other shops and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like, give me yeah. some stuff that's like you said, like stuff that's not that you can learn. There's other things out there that yeah. help you. Like you were saying, you were trying to buy solar panels for your house and that gave you like this huge idea for this whole new platform you guys are going to offer. Like, I want to learn about other shit that makes me want to like, totally, you know, when do go you, harder on my own. When do you have, find time to listen to podcasts? On your commute or when is it? Yeah, so I live in Scottsdale and our office is in Tempe. So it's about 25 minutes uh, each way. So, um, and then, you know, when I, when I exercise, um, so I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, spin cycling on the Peloton. So, you crank and put in the, the, the headphones and, and listen. Uh, I also do a lot of audiobooks. You know, there's times where you can't read, like when you're exercising, but you can absorb information. Or you don't. One of my favorite. Read. Exactly. <laughs> one of my favorite hacks is to like speed up the audio. Um, so one and a half times speed. Oh yeah, it's amazing. You can absorb. What? You know. Yeah, you didn't know you could oh, do yeah. that. I it sounded no uh, like chipmunks kind of though, but it, it goes <laughs> it goes fast. It is kind of weird. Amazing. Hey, on it, your it Peloton. Is weird, you get used to it and all of a sudden you can absorb more information quicker. So it's definitely a, an important, you know, hack. Uh, Joanne was listening to like two hour, this long podcast for two hours. And then I, she's like, Oh, you got to hear this part. And she, and she played it for me. And I'm going to go, what, why do you have it in like 1.5 times? She goes, what? I go, you have it in it's fast forward. And she goes, Oh, I thought their voices were just high. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she funny. had no idea, but, um, uh, the Peloton, 
Oh, it's just, it's down at the bottom of the, I think you can go 1.5 or even two times, right? Two, yeah. It depends on the speaker, you know, somebody. You shouldn't have said that now. Everybody's going to listen to this wicked fast. <laughs> and I realized, because I record a podcast too, and I realized I sound better at one and a half percent. I'm not as like labored or delayed, and uh, <laughs> but it's an interesting hack and it works pretty damn well. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, stuff, I've always, I've always loved to read and I got exhausted reading like business books. So now I, I strictly read for pleasure and I've been doing a lot of, you know, just history, you know, reading about history. There's so many fascinating things that have actually happened, you know, so I don't read like mystery or, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, yeah, I actually prioritize like time to absorb information. Right. You know, so usually at the end of an evening is when That's I, a good idea. A real book or is that a audio also? No, I have a Kindle and I love this Kindle. It's um, the paper white. And so it's, it's lit from like the sides. So it doesn't like put any sort of like, you know, like, so I, I can read in bed at night, not disturb my wife. And of course, when you have to read the same paragraph like five times, that's when it's time to like zonk out. Um, so it's a good, definitely a good way to like calm your mind and, and transition into sleep. So, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for taking time on a Sunday to hang out with us. Totally. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And again, thanks for the, the good work here. The industry absolutely needs some thought leadership and some advice and direction. And um, we're not saying we're that smart and that we well. deserve this, but we're just doing it anyway. <laughs> Soak it in, brother. Take it. <laughs> Dylan, so. what's for dinner tonight? Dude, I don't even know. I'm going to I got work to do. I'm, I'm going to be here till late, probably. Well, then you got to. Well, in your households, who, who's responsible for dinner? Is it a shared effort or is it a. It's whoever feels like it. Nice. How about you, JP? You know, my wife loves to cook and so do I, but uh, she, given she likes to cook a lot more than I do, she usually takes the reins. But um, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So it's a nice uh, family exercise. I'll probably grab a couple slices of pizza and then come back here. And then just uh, we're organizing some shop stuff and getting some stuff done that we haven't been able to lately just because not like actual like work work stuff, but like. I have to like hook up the exhaust and move some stuff around the shop. Figure now, new week. Now was a good time. So awesome. Well, you guys hey. have a good evening. And again, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, dude. We'll see. Right. Rock and roll. Thanks, guys. Take care.